Thank you, ladies. Those two songs are just beautiful and thought-provoking, soul-stirring. I hope that as uh, we sing those songs each week, I, I, I hope that you meditate on the words, you let the music move your soul. It's, um, it's, it's just an important part of what we're doing each week. Um, the line, one of the lines in that last song that we sang is that we will reign with him. I have a hard time getting my mind around that, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I know theologically what it means. I know from what the scriptures teach of what we can look forward to in heaven. And so it's not the, the clarity of the message that uh, I have a hard time getting my mind around. It's the worthiness of it, of, of how in the world it could be that in eternity I would have responsibility to reign with Christ. Um, and, um, but isn't that the point of the gospel? It's not about our worthiness. It's no one's worthy. It's about what Christ has done for us to, to make us acceptable in the sight of God. And uh, that, that's just an amazing concept. And so I, I love these songs that, that stir our souls to, to magnify God. And as that song just said, all glory to God alone. Amen. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to go to the book of Psalms and the 88th Psalm. Um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 88 here in just a minute. Uh, Let me pray and uh, ask God's blessing at our time. Father, as I open the word now, I pray that I would only communicate in the way that you would have me to. I pray that I'd be sensitive to and led by your spirit. And I pray that you would use your word to instruct us. And I pray that um, the time that we spend now together looking at this psalm, um, and the whole idea of these type of psalms, I pray that it would be you know, something that would be time well spent and that brings glory to you and is helpful to us in our present day. So we look to you for uh, divine assistance because we need you and we need your strength. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. You know, I am uh, nine years older than uh, one of my brothers, and uh, I re- so that means I remember the day when he was born. Uh, I remember that I began to learn a lot of things that day. I, uh, very soon after he was born, I learned how to change a diaper. Uh, my mom made sure I knew how to do that. And that was something that, that, that we learned. I also remember learning that uh, babies cry a lot. All right. I remember at nine years old and hearing my brother crying in the day and crying at night and mom coming up into the room to get him in the middle of the night. And um, I just remember that he, he cried like all babies do. But you know what else I learned? I learned that a parent can usually tell the difference between a, the baby's different types of crying and an older brother, not so much. Okay. Um, all crying sounded the same to me, but then I became a parent, and then it clicked in my mind that oh, I could tell the difference. I remember with my brother, no matter what he was crying about, it all sounded the same to me. It just sounded annoying. But when my children started crying, very quickly you learn, oh, this is, this is a cry where they're hurt, this is a cry they're hungry, this is a cry they're angry. Um, and, and so you can, you can, you can learn that. Now, why am I talking about that? Well, because the, the type of psalm that we're going to be talking about today falls in the category of what's called the lament psalms. 
Okay, and so I put it on the screen there, kind of a graph, and, and it's just to show you the representation of the different types of psalms that they have, that we have in the Bible. And so when we're looking at the, the book of psalms, which is a very large book, um, these different types of songs, they, they fall in different categories. And if you'll see that lament is actually one of the largest, actually the largest category of psalms that we have. And most people don't realize that. Most people, when they think of psalms, they think of, uplifting songs and, and, and things that, that we go to for comfort and encouragement. But a lot of times, the psalms in which we find the most encouragement are actually psalms of lament or psalms of crying. Um, you know, uh, the person who wrote this one is Haman. Uh, we see that in the, in the inscription uh, right above that first verse in, in Psalm 88. And, and he was uh, one of the wisest men in Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, we'll see that he's listed uh, in a category when they're comparing Solomon's wisdom. They're saying that Solomon was wiser than the wisest people, and they list this man here who wrote this psalm as one of the people to prove just how wise Solomon was because this man, uh, Haman, was one of the uh, uh, wisest people in all of Israel. But he was going through a terrible trial when we read in this Psalm of 88. And we don't know exactly what the trial was. It's not explicit, but it appears that it may have been a sickness that had no recovery in sight. Um, and so I'm going to read this psalm here, but what, what, as I read it, I want you to, to, to follow along in your copy of the scriptures and then look for the ideas of where you see how that this trial was long. Look at where he found rejection and look how he cried out to the Lord repeatedly in this psalm that he wrote while he was going through this trial. So let me read the psalm, Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in a land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. 
How's that for an uplifting song? Some people would say, how could this even be a song? But it is in the scriptures for a reason. So what I want to do today is I want to take just a few minutes and talk about three things that we can learn from the lament songs in general, and then uh, two benefits of just lamenting that we have from this text here. So let me walk through that today. So, so learning from a psalm of lament. What can we learn? Well, what we can learn even from this one and from all the psalms of lament, first of all, is that God is not threatened by honest prayers. It's amazing to me that this prayer is left in the Bible. It's amazing to me that this was placed in our copy of scriptures by God's divine hand so that we would have it. And it's amazing to me that the majority of the Psalms that we have are Psalms of lament where people are crying out to God. And the reason, I think part of the reason it is that those are in there is because that we, that God is not afraid of our honest prayers and he wants us to be honest with him in our communication to him. The abundance of lament prayers point to this reality. And so I encourage people all the time when they're praying and they're going through a struggle, I say, just be honest with God. Be honest with God in your feelings and, and what you think is going on and, and, and describe that. And, and a lot of people are scared to do that because they don't want to be um, uh, disrespectful or they, they've been told their whole life, well, you should never ask why. You should never ask God why. Well, I'm going to encourage you to look through Psalms, and I want you to see how many times the authors of Psalms ask God why. It's a legitimate question to ask. And so one of the things that we can take away from this is that it's okay to ask God why. Of course, it depends on our spirit. Of course, it depends on what we're going to do with that. But the reality is, is that God wants our honest prayers, and he wants us to share our feelings and what we're going through with him. And so the difficulties that you find in life, God does not expect you just to put on a happy face and smile and to pretend that everything is okay. We don't get that instruction from Psalms at all. We get honest conversation with our maker, with our creator. And remember that this man who wrote this, remember I told you, he was one of the wisest men of his age. The scriptures refer to him as one of the wisest men. And yet he's struggling with this. And he is asking God, why is this happening to me? And so what it tells me is is that no matter how much wisdom we have, no matter how much knowledge we have or wisdom, we're going to struggle in life. Life is difficult. Life is going to have terrible circumstances. And yet how do we respond to that with our creator? One way is lament. Doesn't mean that's the only way or where it always ends there, but this is one way where we need to lament. Now, let me, let me just be transparent with you. I struggle with this. This, is a, this has been a, a topic that I've been wanting to speak on since we first decided on the sermon series, but I, I've struggled with it because lament is very hard for me to get my mind around. And I think that's partly because of maybe my environment, maybe my background, maybe uh, just what I've, I'm trying to overcome some preconceived notions and things like that. But the reality is, is that when I look at the scriptures, lament is in the artillery for the Christian. It's given to him or her by God. And we see this all throughout the Psalms. We see people crying out to the Lord. And so God's not threatened by honest prayer. So let me encourage you by that. Let me encourage you that God is not uh, 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 wondering uh, why wouldn't the world, would you question anything about him? Uh, it's actually real. And I think that he keeps this in here so that we can have this path to ask. Did you see how he asked, why did you cast my soul away in verse 14? He says, why do you hide your face from me? 
He says, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. He's, he's asking these questions. God's not afraid of honest prayers. Secondly, God is always the hope in our darkest hour. This is something else we can learn from a song of lament. Now, even though that he's going through this and he's asking God why, he's asking God, why did you do this to me? What does he call him in verse one? He says, oh Lord, my God, oh God of my salvation. Right from the beginning, he's saying, I don't understand things. I don't understand all this. In fact, God, it doesn't make any sense at all to me why I'd be going through this or why this would be happening to me. He says, from my youth up, I've dealt with this and there's no end in sight. He says, I'm like a walking corpse. Did you pick that up there in verse, uh, um, uh, verses three through uh, uh, six there? He's talking about how that he's basically a walking corpse. He says, I, I'm like a dead man. He says, there's no life in me. He said that this, this trial has oppressed me and suppressed me so much that I, I'm just like a dead person here. So this was something he was going through. But yet, yet in the very first verse, he says, my God, my salvation. As he understands that even in the darkest hours of not understanding everything that we're going through, that God is still our hope. And that's what we can learn from the Psalm of Lament. And, uh, uh, and he, the author, he acknowledges God's sovereignty in suffering throughout this psalm. It's, it's uncomfortable at times where he says, you have put me, verse 6. You have put me in the depths of the pit. Verse 7, your wrath lies heavily upon me. You overwhelm me. Verse 8, you have caused my companions. You have made me a horror. Um, he, he continues on to talking about how that this was something that God has done in verse 18. He says, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. Do you see how that he puts this squarely in God's camp? And we don't have any type of rebu rebuke here. He's understanding that God is sovereign and that it, he is in control of all things. He's providential and that he is in control of all things and, and including the bad circumstances that happen to us in life. Now, this is, this is getting into a really difficult area. And this is something that is very difficult to understand for, for us to internally understand because we think, well, wait a minute here. You know, God, he is not the one that should be blamed for this stuff. Sin is to be blamed for it. True. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to say that, that that could be a possibility to that. But the reality is if you extrapolate this out and you go back to its log logical conclusion, if God is all-powerful, and he allowed even, not just ordained, but if he allowed something to happen and he's all powerful, does not the blame still fall on him? And so the question that we have to wrestle with is what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean if we say, God, this is, this is by your hand. I'm afflicted by your hand. Job, we know the story of Job. We know the story of Joseph. And we can see how that, that was affliction that God allowed to happen and through his plan, and he used other people's means or uh, other means to make that happen. But it was all according to God's plan. Joseph himself said that in Genesis chapter 50. He told the brothers who sold him into slavery, he says, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And so we see this isn't God just simply um, uh, taking up uh, something that's happened and reacting to it and trying to make it better at the end of it. No, this is the idea of saying you intended for evil, but God intended it for good. So this is a difficult concept, but here's, here's one thing that I want to, I'm going to give you two book recommendations that will help you wade through this. But before I do that, um, let me just tell you this. If God is powerful enough and big enough for us to be able to lay this at his feet like uh, Heman did, that he is big enough and powerful enough 
to be worshipped. To, to be worshipped. Do, do we feel like, or do we think that uh, God, uh, that we are more merciful and just than God? Do we think that we are more merciful, loving, and just than God? Where do you think our mercy, loving, and just came from? It came from God. So, again, I know I'm not going to answer all the questions that are raised by this in this one sermon here, but I will say this: that you regardless if you agree with me or not, when you look at the Psalm 88, you have to agree that this author laid it all on God's feet. He says, you've done this. A couple books that I'd recommend for you to pick up and read that would help you uh, wade through this idea of God's providence or God's sovereignty, even in difficult circumstances. The first one is Jerry Bridges, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. This is a book that every Christian should read. Everyone should read. Every person should read, but particularly every Christian should read this book. And I think every Christian should have a copy of this book in their home so you can reference it later on. It's that good of a book. It was life-changing for me many years ago. So let me encourage you, Jerry Bridges, uh, Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. I know many of you in our church have already read this book, and you would agree with me that this is a, a really good book. The other book that you may not have heard of is by Leighton Talbert. Uh, it's called Not By Chance. It's a little bit bigger book, a little bit more academic, not, not too academic, but just a little bit more than what Bridges is. And both of these books are very helpful in wading through this idea of God's sovereignty in providence, even in difficult circumstances. So as you're waiting through, I know I'm not going to answer all the questions on that in this sermon here, but this is the reason I'm giving you these resources to, to, to study that a little bit further. But the main point I want to drive home here is that this author recognized God's sovereignty even in difficult circumstances. And so that's what we can learn from the Psalm of Lament. Number one, that he, God is our hope in our darkest hour. Or number one was God's not threatened by honest prayers. Number two, that God is always our hope in our darkest hour. Now the difference between what this author is doing here, and maybe you're thinking, well, what about the children of Israel? What about when they were in the wilderness and they were complaining and they were, and, and then that God judged them for that? How come that he judges them, but not, you're saying that this is okay? I thought all complaining was bad. Well, the answer to that is that there is a big difference in the fact that they were seeing, the children of Israel were blaming God to have wrong intentions and that they were putting that, saying that he had their, their, their harm in mind, and they weren't recognizing him as their savior, whereas here he's complaining to God, he's giving a complaint is a better way of saying it to God, but yet recognizing God as who he was, and God as sovereign. There's a book about lament. It's called Lamentations in the Bible. And it's all about lamenting uh, the fall of Jerusalem. And it goes through different chapters and there's poems and there's acrostics there. It's a beautiful literary masterpiece there. But in chapter three, we find one of a, a very common verse that, that we often find great hope in. And we have a hymn that we sing about with it, but it comes in the middle of lament. And that is Lamentations chapter three. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And so we see in the middle of lament that there is, a, even an understanding of saying, why is this happening? There is a, a push to worshiping God. And that's what makes it different than the complaining of the children of Israel in the wilderness, and God judged them for that. It's because what you see in Lamentations 3 was not on the lips of the children of Israel, 
But we see that it most likely was in the heart of Heman in Psalm 88 because of how he refers to his God and his salvation, even though he doesn't understand everything. A a typical layout, and and I'm just showing you this just so you can kind of see that uh, why the the lament psalms are acceptable to God, is that a typical layout of a lament song follows uh, a, a pattern, okay? And I got this acrostic from a book that I was reading, How to Understand and Apply the Old Testament. Uh, It's a great book. And uh, he, the author, uses Aptrap as an acrostic to kind of remember that. And so basically, most psalms of lament generally follow this pattern, okay? So it starts with an address to God, petitions usually for being heard, the trouble that they're in is described, uh, the reason for why God should answer. Sometimes it's like, you have promised this in your covenant, keep your covenant. Sometimes it's, I've been sinless. It's whatever the reasons are, often they will uh, uh, give a reason for that. There's assurance declared or confidence and trust in God, and then a praise and a promise of sacrifice at the end. Most Psalms of Lament start with, with this ark and they, they, they praise God, but then they get into the, they go down into the pit of despair and they're honest and raw with God, but then they come out and they come out with this uh, uh, praise and worship of God. And so that's one of the reasons why lament is helpful for us. So these Psalms of Lament are helpful for us is because we can see God's suffer, sovereignty, even our suffering, but then we can come out on the other side and praise. But you say, well, wait a minute, Jeremy. Well, you just read this text, and I see some of these things, but, but I don't see the last part in the psalm. And you're right. Uh, there's only two psalms of lament that do not have a resolution, and Psalm 88 is one of those. Psalm 44 is the other one in case you're interested in. But why is that? Why is it that there is no resolution here when most other psalms of lament have a resolution and have a, a, a reminder of praise or an offering of sacrifice? Why is it that this one ends on a sour note. Why is that? I don't pretend to know all the reasons, but I will suggest that perhaps one of the reasons is because it points to the fact that some things just will not be resolved in this life. Some of the trials that you and I find ourselves in, some of the difficulties that cause lament in our soul will not be reconciled or resolved in this life. I I wish that I could give you a different message. I wish I could tell you that every difficulty that you find yourself in will be resolved before you die. But the reality is is that that's not true. The reality is that there are some things that just will not be resolved by the time that we, uh, by the time our, uh, our, our days on this earth are over. Now, is that discouraging to me? Not at all, because I know that this next life, the next life is what I'm living for anyway. I know that the next life is where there will be no tears and sorrow, just like we talked about in previous weeks here uh, going through this series. But the reality is with the hope that we have that we can expect from God. But the reality is here is that this man here, he most likely died and didn't have this resolved. And the point is, is that sometimes that happens, but that does not diminish. That does not diminish the God of our salvation. It does not diminish it or does not take away from the fact that he has a plan and he's working it because it's not something that, you know, happiness in complete uh, peace on this earth is not what was promised to us. That's not why Jesus died was so that we could have all of our problems taken away in this earth. And again, I know this is a hard message to hear. And, uh, and believe me, I take no joy in saying this. I, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to just give the good news, right? I'm the, I'm the guy who likes to say, hey, everything's going to be okay. But my point is, is that even though there's no resolution promised, it's still going to be okay. Jesus' death and his resurrection 
allows me to give you the, the hope of that confident message that it will be okay. Um, and so we don't always understand why God allows or ordains what he does. We don't always get to see behind the curtain like in Job and in Joseph's case. And honestly, God doesn't know it to us. But he's given us those examples to give us enough understanding so we can say, okay, I may not see it, but I can believe because I know this is how he acts. I know his character is such that allows me to believe that even if I don't understand, even if I don't see a resolution in this life, it has been for good. And it has been for righteousness and for his namesake. And so again, I asked the question I asked him before, do we think we're more loving or merciful than the one who put love and mercy in our heart? We can trust God's love and mercy. So those are some things we can learn from a song of lament. Let me just share quickly just a couple benefits of the actual act of lament or incorporating lament into our lives. How is that beneficial to us? Because I think this is something we want to stay away from. This is something we just don't like and we're uncomfortable with. And I I shared with you before that I'm uncomfortable with it. And this is an area of growth in my life of what does this actually look like? And I'm still wading through that. And I don't have all the answers on exactly what that looks like. But I do know it's something that should be part of our lives that we should be cultivating in a God-honoring way. So let's talk about benefiting from lament. First of all, I'm just going to share too uh, in in the limited time that we have. Lament directs our complaint to the right department, okay? See, this is one of the benefits of lament is that it directs the complaint to the right department. Uh, There was a ministry that I served in. Uh, We had a bus, and I used to drive the bus for, you know, youth activities and trips and things like that. And I don't know where it came from, and I don't know why it was there, but in the front of the bus, there was this uh, kind of like a plaque thing, and it looked exactly like this. Complaint department, take a number. And it's attached to what I was hoping was a fake grenade, okay? Now, the obvious point there is that, you know, don't share your complaints with me. I don't want to hear it. And, and that's the, the obvious joke that's there. But, you know, um, God is not like that. God is not like, I don't want to hear your problems, God is not like, don't, don't, don't come to me with your difficulties. God is not like, you know, I'm tired of hearing you uh, talk about what is difficult in your life. God wants you to talk to him in a way that he's outlined here, that we, we go to him and he's, oh, he's given us this opportunity for us to uh, display our feelings to him. And of course, we need to follow the praise pattern and things like that, of course. But, but the reality is that sometimes we just don't feel like that. And sometimes we're not in that place and we need to get there. And we gotta we gotta talk to God about what's going on. But that's what lament does. It allows us to talk to the right person instead of talking to everyone else or 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 or, or complaining in other ways. Lament says, talk to God, talk to Him about this. Take 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 your difficulties to Him. Um, and I think part of this is the reason why this is important is because um, we think that we can solve our own problems. Way too many times. Yeah, we are too easily seduced by self-sufficiency. This is something that I think is true in my own heart, and I know in many of the hearts of the people who are listening to me speak right now, is that we are seduced by this idea of self-sufficiency, is that I can get out of this. I can pull myself up by the bootstrap, so to speak, or I can, I can plan my way out of this, or I can, I can uh, work harder and get it done. But the reality is, is that a lot of times what we should be doing, in fact, all the time what we should be doing is going to the Lord first. That's, that's the first thing we should be doing. 
Say, God, I don't understand this. How do I do this? What's going on here? What's the next step here? Instead of just getting the pen, the pen and paper out and start feverishly writing notes and, and making our own plans, we got to go to the Lord. And that's what Lament says. And he says, you don't have to come to me with a well-crafted plan. That's what the Psalm of Lament says. You don't have to come to me with it all worked out. You can come to me raw. You can come to me and then together we will work out that well-crafted plan. But you see, we feel like we've got to kind of get everything in a row. We've got to get everything written down and everything right. Then we take that to God and look for his stamp of approval. God says, no, don't do that. Just come to me raw. Come to me with your emotions. Come to me where you're at. And then together we'll work it out what is supposed to happen in the next step. And so the benefits of lament is that we get the complaints to the right department. Instead of thinking that we ourselves are the ones who should be solving all this, we go to the Lord first. But if, perchance, we do realize that we can't solve our own problems, then what do we do? We often go to other people. We go to other people right away, and we look for other people to solve our problems for us. Um, There's a lot of ways that we do this in, in families and relationships, but a very common one is even with our politicians. We think that they're going to solve our problems. You say, well, wait a minute here. No, that's not me. I know the politicians are the problem. I know government is the problem, to quote Ronald Reagan, right? And you say, you know, I know that that's, that's, I don't look to the government for hope. Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would challenge you that maybe you do more than you realize and just ask yourself this question. Why do you get so angry at the government then? If you're not looking to them to solve your problem, then why are so many of us angry at the government all the time or so angry at politicians or irritated with them? Could it be, I'm not going to say it's always the case, but could it be that we really are putting too much hope in political figures? It's possible, something to consider. But the reality of this is that lament tells us that we are supposed to bring our complaints to the Lord. And we don't have to craft this well-defined plan and get God's stamp of approval on it. No, we go to him raw, and, and then he's the first person that we talk to. And so the question is, is how, how much are you praying about your life difficulties? Well, this pandemic, how, how, how much are you praying about this? Praying for wisdom, praying for direction, praying for our leaders, praying for what we should be doing, praying for how we should respond. How, do you spend time praying for this? This is one of the most life upsetting situations that we have dealt with. I know that some of you have probably dealt with more uh, upsetting life circumstances, but for the vast majority, and particularly for society of this generation, this is one of the most upsetting uh, events that we are living through right now. Should we not each day be talking to God about this? And yes, that can include lament. That can say, I... I, I, I wish that we didn't have to give this up. I wish that we didn't have, God, how come we can't meet together right now? God, why is it that the plans that we've made to visit family because we love them are now canceled? Why is it that, that my graduating senior didn't get there to, to walk across in their ceremony like everyone else did? Why is it that a sabbatical has been put on hold? Why is it that um, uh, all the, the, the things and the planning that, that we have why is it that that has to be taken away right now? Those are conversations we should be having with God. And not in an accusatory way, not in a, a you owe me, but in just sharing our, our deepest sorrows and saying, how do we then proceed from this? So are you praying? Are you praying each day about this, of how we should be responding, of what the next move should be, of our leaders in our country and how that uh, on, on a local level and a national level, 
how they should be responding. Are we praying each day for them? You see, that's what lament tells us to do, is that we go to the right person first with our concerns. So that's a benefit of lament because it puts us into the right person. But there's one other one that I wanted to share in the last couple of minutes that we have, and that is this, that lament gives us the opportunity for internal reflection and examination. This allows us to start really wading through our own feelings and emotions. We look at Haman's psalm here, and we see that he is a man who is really talking through his emotions. He says in verse uh, uh, 3, For my soul is full of troubles. Uh, this, this was a time where he, he was doing a lot of soul searching here. And, 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 and a lot of times, you know, generally speaking, uh, this is a generalization I realize, but, but men are, are often not very good at this. Of, of articulating our feelings. I know I'm not. I know that there's sometimes where I'm bothered by something and I can't really just articulate exactly what it is or why it is. Um, I'm just, and so I, I just say, I'm just going to move on. I, I'm just going to not worry about it anymore or, or I'm not going to deal with this because it's just not worth my time. It's not worth it. But yet it's underlying there and I, I never really did any type of soul searching of, okay, what is really going on here right now? You see, lament makes us do that. Lament is part of God's strategy for us to do this soul searching and this soul, uh, um, uh, this internal examination that we must, uh, 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 we must do as, if we're going to grow in our relationship with God and we're going to grow in maturity. And some of the things that this should produce is that it really should lead to much more self-awareness. And this is what lament does is that it allows us to, to start understanding things. And so, you know, all of us, are susceptible to assuming that our thoughts and our feelings are right and righteous. We're, we're susceptible to just assuming that what we feel and where we're at in the moment is correct. But see, lament is something that, that they're, they're working through this and they're working through the emotions and they're working through why they're feeling what they're feeling. They're asking questions and it's not just about, oh, okay, I'm mad and I'm upset and then I'm just going to react to it. It's no, let's, let's, let's internalize this and think through this but we're doing it in the right department. We're not doing it with everyone else, and we're not doing it just by ourselves. We're doing it to God and with God in prayer. That's one of the benefits of lament, praying. Circumstances that lead to lament give us pause and opportunities to ask soul-piercing questions. Things like, why am I grieving? Why does this bother me so much? What exactly am I grieving in this moment? And so is it, is it the, that the trip was canceled? Am I, am I grieving that I don't get the break from work? Am I grieving that I don't get to see my family? Is it that I don't get uh, whatever it is? You know, ask those questions. Why, what, what exactly am I grieving here? Not just I'm mad or not just I'm upset, but what is it? Where is my hope? That's another question we should ask. Okay, where is my hope? Often in the Psalms of Lament, it's a reminder of where hope really is. What could God be teaching me through this difficulty or his silence? That's a question that we should ask us. What can I learn about God right now? What can I learn about myself right now? You see, this is a strategy that God has given to us. He's given us a, a means of communicating to him. He's saying, be raw, be open. Don't feel like you have to have this, this well-prepared speech to give me every time you pray. Come to me raw. Come to me with your emotions and we'll figure it out together. And the Spirit of God will shape your thoughts and, and bring you into where you need to be. That's one of the benefits of lament is that it allows us to have this much more self-awareness. Not just self-awareness, but it leads to much greater appreciation. You know, what, are we, what have I taken for granted? 
that now I don't have. This pandemic should be reminding us of several of those things. You know, what is it that we've had? And I hope that even in the church level, that there are things that we enjoyed for many, many years and we took for granted that we don't have right now. I hope that that part of what we're going through is going to cause us to appreciate it more. Um, so how are you filling that void? You know, there's, there's, there's a reason why we have chosen to do some of the things that we're doing virtually and the things that we're not doing virtually. Uh, on a leadership level, we just feel that, that we can do this Okay, but there's other elements of corporate worship that just don't translate to, to, to an environment uh, that what we're doing right here, and so we're not doing it. And, and the reason for that, one of the reasons for that is so that we can lament, so we can actually have a greater appreciation for it. And so when we do get back together and we do have the full the, uh, uh, repertoire of worship that we typically do, then that would be much greater appreciation. But in the process, let's not try to fill it with inferior things. Let's actually pause and lament and mourn the loss of it so there's greater appreciation. Not only appreciation, but it should also lead to repentance. You know, as we're looking at our own souls and we're looking, we see this often in Psalms of Lament. We don't see it so much in this one here, but in, in, we do see a much understanding of who he is. And that's really what should be as we're praying to the Lord and we're crying out to the Lord. This is very common in the Psalms of Lament, like I said. And why is that? Because God often uses difficult circumstances that knock us down to cause us to look up, right? The things that knock us down in life, part of the purpose is so that we look up and we follow Christ. And we see him and we see God and we see his sovereign hand, even in suffering. And we say, God, you're in control of this. You know, to me, that doesn't cause me a whole lot of grief. I'm going to admit there are times it does. I read news stories about things that happen, and I think, God, where were you there? God, how come you didn't stop that? And um, I'll, be admit, I'll admit, I'll be honest, that there are things that I struggle with there. But then I have to go back to what I know about God in total. What do I know that, and if he hasn't revealed the answer to me right now of why he allowed something to happen or why he used something to happen, um, I just have to come to the conclusion that who am I? Just like Job at the end. Where were you, Job, when I formed the earth? Where were you when I did this? And that's what Job had to realize is that sometimes we're not going to get the answer. And Job, at the end of this, he said, you know, I had heard about my God, but now my eyes have seen him. And that's what going through difficulty, the process of lament, that's what, called, that's what the great benefit of, to Job was, is that he knew God better and he had a greater relationship with him. Let me close by saying this. There was a, uh, there was a book I was reading and the author, he said this about Psalms of Lament. He says, we don't always experience life as well-ordered or well-oriented. Disorientation better describes life at times. The laments are songs of disorientation. They were written for such times. The psalms of disorientation give us permission and show us how to let the tears flow. And isn't that a good God? He doesn't say, suck it up. There's no crying in baseball. He says, come, cry. Pour your heart out. Why does God allow lament? Well, because a parent can tell the difference between a baby's cries. A parent can tell the difference between what is going on in the soul of their child often, but how much more so with God? And he says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, pour your heart out. Lament. 
So let me encourage you that this is a way that we should be responding in this pandemic, is we, we lament to the Lord. And in the process of that, Lamentations again, three, reminds us that his steadfast to the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is their faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my souls. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's where our lament ends, is right there, as a hope in God. Let me give you some homework, and then we'll pray. Ask yourself, what am I lamenting during this pandemic, and why? Um... Be, be, you know, go, have some time of that soul-searching time. What is it that is, is causing me the most concern right now? And then why is that? Ask yourself, what difficulties or, or help um, do the Lament Psalms present to me? Uh, how, how does knowing this, that this is a major part of the Psalms, and it's how God has told us to, and he's, he's given us permission to interact with them this way, how is that helpful to you? How is it difficult? What, what difficulties does it present? Interact with that. I would encourage you to discuss that with people. And then lastly, consider writing your own psalm of lament. Um, and how you can do that, you probably want to, the most psalms of lament, they cover these three topics of who, why, and what. You know, who are you talking to? Who needs to help? Why do you need to help? Uh, why does God need to hear you in this moment? And what is it that you would like him to do? Um, I would encourage you to, to, to write a psalm of lament about what you're going through in your life circumstances. Well, I hope that this study has been a help to you. And as we continue to talk about this uh, very just differing and competing emotions uh, that we're, fa- we're facing in this pandemic. And sometimes we have great joy in the morning and we have lamentation in the evening. It's a roller coaster, and I understand that. And uh, this is all part of how God designed us, and so that we'd have differing emotions. And so let me just encourage you to, to embrace that and let those emotions point you to Christ rather than push you away from him. Let me close with Numbers chapter 6. It says, Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week.